We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Buzz is back, baby. The buzz is back. You know, it feels like it's been a century, but really it's only been eight days. Uh, that just goes to show how much we've been recording over this offseason. But, Jack, we still have plenty of stuff to talk about. But before we jump to that, you can always find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, what yeah, are you we're barely up to page two of my three-page Google <laughs> doc here, Nick. So we'd better get stuck in or else we're going to run out of news before the, the season arrives yep. upon us. But the most recent news, the most pressing pertinent news, Nick, uh, surrounds the DeAndre Jordan uh, buyout. And it, it's been almost widely reported. I believe Alex Schiffer might have been the first one. Yep. Then we've had the day of the news and, and other people jumping on board. I think Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype as well. Um, it seems imminent, but Nick, what are your thoughts on buying out DeAndre Jordan, attaching a first-round pick? What is the ultimate scenario for the Brooklyn Nets organization? Yeah, if you can't trade him in a deal and get something of somewhat value back, then I think the best bet here is to buy him out. And obviously, this is a guy that didn't play in the postseason at all. Like, he's a guy that didn't get any minutes, and it doesn't seem like his fit on this team is really going to work considering the other parts. And, you know, let DeAndre go see if he can be impactful somewhere else and give the Nets an opportunity to have this roster spot to get somebody that can actually contribute and they feel comfortable playing. And we'll get to some of those guys a little bit later. But, yeah, I think it, we the, the thing that's always been uh, frustrating about DJ is that, like, he gives you glimpses. And, it, yep. like, we got a, a few of those last season. And then I, I, I don't know what happened for him to fall off so, like, like tr- tragically in such a massive way. Tragically is probably not the best way, but, like, in such a big, huge way because he still seems to, like, he's not – like uh, his body's okay. His conditioning looks okay. It just seems to be that it I, I'm, it's an unknown. And, and obviously yeah. behind the scenes, um, they know much more than we do. But the fact that, you know, we talked about this around on, on draft night and then we heard that, you know, just days later that, you know, he's a big part of the organization and all those sort of things. And he gets, you know, little rumblings. And we got little bullshit on that report because that's what it felt like at the time. <laughs> And it clearly was. And, and and look, maybe it wasn't at the time and maybe there's just been some fast-tracking behind the scenes. We also did see, you know, DJ, some DJ workouts, you know. Yep. It is workout season and we saw him moving those feet pretty well, Nick. I, I don't know, maybe he's going to switch it onto the perimeter like Nicholas Claxton's been doing of late. 
um, for for his next team or for the Nets if it happens to be for the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm, I'm I, I hope whatever does happen, we do get the. I, I don't. I hate the idea of attaching a first rounder now because it just makes no sense. Just buy the dude out. I mean, you know, the the ultimate scenario is that you know, if the Nets do attach a first rounder, they get something in return, whether it's like. Your, your your proposal that you brought up and that I love as well, like in Derek Favors to, to OKC, if there's something like that out there, or maybe the Nets do wait on it and do the same with, you know, to Orlando for Robin Lopez or something like that. Yep. Um, and if you're attaching a first rounder, you've got to get something in return, Nick, because I've always not been a fan of it. And when people sort of say, oh, it's a great trade to get, you know, offload the money, like for Kemba Walker, all this sort of stuff, it's just like, no, you're just fixing the mis- the first mistake. Yeah. That doesn't make it a good deal. You're, uh, hi- I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, but in saying that, uh, I'm totally abhorrently against attaching a first rounder to get rid of DeAndre. Just buy the dude out, let him go to LA, do whatever he wants to do. Especially considering the Nets' cap situation. You know what I mean? It's not like they're going to get salary anytime soon. They're not going to have cap space. So at the end of the day, like saving this $9 million this year and next year is not really that big a deal. Like a bigger argument for me to keep DeAndre would be like a trade chip and a bigger trade because he does have a contract of that size. But if he's a negative asset, you know, how much can you convince a team to really take him on? So I just think like, there's so many different variables, like maybe the Nets envision playing a different way or just how the NBA is adapted in the style that Steve Nash wants to play with all the switching, like you kind of mentioned, Jack. Like He can't switch, and his drop coverage isn't great. And his real issue is is that he has no second jump. You know, we talk about guys, and they have that initial, like they jump and they come down, they could pop up really quick. DeAndre is like stuck in the sand when he comes down from his initial jump. Yeah, his lateral movement is certainly leaves a lot to be desired and yep. you know, he doesn't have a second jump in any sense like Marvin Bagley or you know, Marvin Bagley's been obviously linked to the Nets before or Zion Williamson who has one of the greatest yep. second jumps that we've ever seen yeah um, an insane second jump like yeah, it's crazy. He, he, he's um, a, a, a masterful athlete but Nick to stay on DJ for a little bit longer there was some people sort of responding and, and funnily enough this tweet has now been deleted because obviously uh, the person didn't believe uh, I think this person might have blocked me on, on Twitter as well but Hardwood Paroxysm said that he didn't believe in the offloading of DeAndre because it it meant one less body uh, for Joel Embiid. What are your thoughts, I guess, on the Embiid argument, Nick? Does it hold any credence whatsoever to retain DeAndre uh, for that purpose alone? I mean, do you really think DeAndre is going to shut down Joel Embiid or slow him down? Like, no. it's a, yeah, another year older, and he's had plenty of success against DeAndre. Yeah, he's a big body, but. To the extent and the level of defense that DeAndre plays, like you can replace that with a vet minimum guy or a second round pick at the deadline, you know, trading for another veteran on a small contract. You know what I mean? It's not like DeAndre's done anything where you're like, oh, yeah, like he's an Embiid stopper. Like it's not like he's had like a stint like Al Horford had or Marcus Ole had against Joel Embiid. Like he's had okay moments, but for the most part, Embiid's owned him. The only moments that uh, for the past season that you know DeAndre that stood out for me was the the game against you know Giannis and the Bucks, and and that was 
clearly an outlier in yep. the, the rest of the proceedings. Now, how much do you take with what happened there with the grain of salt? Obviously do, because what Giannis did beyond that and, and the adjustments that he did make. And if anything, we saw Blake Griffin guard Giannis in a more competent way, despite the numbers that were put up and the statistical you know, favoring that it had towards DJ in that regular season matchup. And again, you know, talking about Blake Griffin, if he can guard Giannis, I'd back him to, to, to have some decent possessions on Joel Embiid because, you know, his level of physicality, his level of steadfastness, his lower body strength, um, all those things I think will bode well against Joel Embiid as well. Um, and I also do think that uh, Brooklyn Nets 85, BK and Scary Hours, you know, put it plainly and simply, the Nets are the better team, so they're going to do their own thing. They'll go small ball. Yeah. They'll play James Johnson at the five. They'll play KD at the five. You'll, you'll, get, you'll see some clacks out there. You know, clack season rapidly approaching. The city is overpopulating as we speak, Nick. So I think that how the, the Nets are going to go things by their own terms. And, you know, there's obviously plenty of, you know, a lot up in the air in Philadelphia right now. Um, so I, I think that to be so reductive to you know say that you know DJ is essential or you know he is needed as a an extra body for Joel Embiid. While I understand it to an extent, if you watch next basketball for the past eighteen months, or and you've watched you know beyond DeAndre Jordan and everything uh, everything else about it, um, you know that DJ is he's there as a you know, a, a teammate, a locker room presence, which is not what you're paying nine million dollars for. Yeah, and Jack, I think you nailed it on the head is the Nets are going to play their style of basketball. They shouldn't adapt to the Sixers. They should play how they want to play, and they're the better team. And then also, like, yeah, you play DeAndre, and then he hinders the offense to an extent. You know what I mean? Especially because you can't play him with Bruce Brown. There's certain guys that he kind of clogs the paint for. So, and just there's nothing about his game that strikes you as like, we need this guy in the team. He needs to get minutes. And we can just look back to the postseason. The Nets were desperate, and they didn't want to play DeAndre Jordan. I think that really says it all. You know, everybody was hurt. They were getting killed on the boards. They probably need another big body. If LaMarcus Aldridge was healthy and on the team, he would have played. DeAndre Jordan was an option. Steve Nash didn't want to play him. And we know Steve Nash is kind of, I don't want to say had a bad relationship with DeAndre, but he's definitely tried to push him to be a better player, and he hasn't necessarily responded to be in that role. So if Nash is trying to do everything he can, Kevin Durant's one of his probably his better friends in the NBA. These guys are looking for him to be good, and he can't be that guy, and he couldn't be that guy in the postseason. Why am I supposed to believe that's going to change in 21-22 in a playoff series in a bigger matchup where there's more pressure? Why are they going to want to count on this guy now? Yeah, look, to, for me, Nick, I've always been a little bit of a Marcus believer. Now, obviously, you know, maybe it's a looking at a glass half full sort of perspective, you know, getting caught in the source a little bit. But, you know, it, it seems to me if the Lakers were to acquire DeAndre Jordan has been somewhat rumored, you know, they've got a surplus of centers there. Give us a big boy Gasol. I, I wouldn't mind him of having him as a, a presence in our in our front court. I think that he would add a lot um, in terms of his passing acumen. I think in our system, you know, the three-point shooting he has or the ability to do somewhat, I think he'd be a, a marked upgrade over DeAndre Jordan, but that's a discussion probably for another day. So, But you sort of touched on it a little bit there, Nick, about, you know, Kevin Durant and teammates and, and all that sort of thing. We're still seeing, I'm not sure if these are reports or just, you know, trying to forward think and sort of, you know, project in some sort of way that the narrative around DJ would up uh, and his departure would upset James Harden, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin and Kyrie Irving. Nick, what is your thoughts on this uh, narrative, I guess? I think, you know, the most important thing for Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Steve Nash, whoever you want to say, is winning. 
and DeAndre has shown that he can't necessarily impact winning on this team. Not to say that he couldn't be impactful maybe somewhere else, but with the way the Nets play and the system they have, and DJ has had plenty of opportunities with the Nets, he's just not that guy. So I think Kevin Durant may be initially upset for a second, but then he'd understand this is a bigger goal. And I think it also helps if you have a guy like Steve Nash, who, like I mentioned, tried to encourage DJ, tried to get the best out of him, and he couldn't be that guy, and he wasn't an option in the postseason. Kevin Durant's not stupid. Why would he want this guy in the team? Like he'd understand that they have to make the best team possible. And the idea would be to use the roster spot for somebody who could have an impact. We've literally seen the only player that I don't think has, there's been a screenshot or a video grab of them getting upset at DeAndre Jordan is Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin to a lesser extent. Yeah, yeah, I think even the Kevin Durant stuff, like we've seen KD talk to DJ after a shitty play. Yeah. And, and maybe not as vocally as James Harden has, yeah. James Harden has thrown his sweaty towel, under armpit towel on him as well. We've seen the Kyrie Irving screenshot of him pointing upwards, um, which is a, a really great photo. And you know, just Nets Twitter is amazing at capturing some of these moments. And you know, obviously, you alluded to Steve Nash as well. I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a tired narrative to, to say the least. I think Nick, because if if KD especially, I think this is probably the number one person because we know that this organization revolves around KD's desires, his wants, his needs. Um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, all these other signings, Patty Mills, um, all these little things here and there. If DeAndre, if KD wanted DeAndre Jordan that much, he'd be staying. And, yeah. and I think that you're sure Marks wouldn't be making a decision to go against Kevin Durant's wishes. Uh, I think that's plain and simple. And now, he probably would have played in the playoffs. Yeah, we would have seen him over Clax. We would have seen him have some possessions, you know, against Robert Williams in the Celtics, against the the Bucks as well in in that series too. So, it's it's pretty obvious. I I think that we need to probably end this a, a little bit. We know, you know, I can be I can be friends with you, Nick. You know, we're good mates. We we chat. We're up. We're buddies off the court. But if you're producing some whack ass content on this podcast, I'm gonna ask for you know. Just someone, Matt Brooks or Lucas Kaplan or Justin Thomas to jump on and be like, man, I, I need you to jump on and, and, and provide me a little bit of service here and maybe we can kick off my dude Nick Fay and, and, and do our own podcast or something because, you know, it's about what are you providing this team? You know, yeah. I, I think that the bigger picture about championship success is the ultimate goal. You know, there's only a finite amount of time where the Nets have that opportunity. You know, championship windows aren't open for very long. And yep. to clog a roster spot with a $9 million contract that DeAndre does have, um, a lack of production, a lack of reliability. Like I said, he's uh, you know, a, a tall Jared Dudley um, getting paid a, a way too inflated contract. And look, he might be fine for if the Nets, of course, if the Nets do somehow decide to keep him. I'll twist it in a way where it's like, oh, he's going to be such a great mentor for Dayron Sharp. Um, I'll change my ideals then. But at this point in time, um, DeAndre's days look numbered. Yeah, I agree, Jack. And like at the end of the day, if he's on the roster, it could be for a trade later on, or maybe it's a buyout next year or something along those lines. It's not the end of the world if he's on the team, but I think it would be best to use that roster spot for something of value. Well, you got me a nice little segue, Nick. <laughs> a nice roster spot could be used by maybe Paul Millsap, question mark. Now we're hearing growing rumors around Millsap and the teams that are clamoring for his services include the Nets, the Warriors, the Bulls, other teams. But it seems to me that he's valuing, he wants to get a little bit of a payday, which unfortunately the Nets can't provide him because they gave the TPMLE to uh, Super Patty, Patty Mills, Patty Thrills. So in saying that, Nick, do you think that 
there is an increased likelihood, decreased likelihood, no change um, in Paul Millsap's likelihood to be on the nest. Do you think that maybe these two decisions could be somewhat related? That DeAndre Jordan, a buyout is likely because we've seen LaMarcus Aldridge Instagram you know, posts. We're seeing, we're hearing about Paul Millsap continued rumors um, to, and links to the Brooklyn Nets. What are your thoughts, I guess, on Paul Millsap's status and you know how it affects the team overall? Yeah, I guess that's a really good point, Jack, because the Nets could essentially buy out DeAndre at any point. There's no, you know, real rush to do it. Obviously, they'd prefer to probably do it before the season if they have a player. But if Millsap and Aldridge are like, hey, we want to join Brooklyn, you know, Sean Mark's going to clear those roster spots. That's probably going to be DeAndre Jordan. That's probably going to be Alizé Johnson. And, you know, if it works out that way, that'd be ideal. I think really what it comes down to the Paul Millsap thing is you mentioned, I think, Chicago being one of those teams and them having the money. And if they want to pay him, then he's going to go there. If the veteran minimum is only available for Paul Millsap, then the Nets become an option. If somebody wants to pay him more and that's what he's prioritizing, then he's going to go to the money. But if the money's not there, then it's going to come down to, you know, a secondary priority, which is probably going to a winning basketball team. And that's probably Brooklyn or possibly Golden State because maybe they can offer him a bigger role. So I think really... Oh, go Golden State as well, Nick, have the taxpayer MLA. They didn't give it to Otto Porter, did they? That was still that was just a vet minimum. Or did they give it to Andre Iguodala? Or did he ah. take a vet minimum as well? Yeah, that's a great question that I can double check. I'm Why not sure that, that they want to spend it anyways, even if they do have it, just given Sorry. their cap situation. That could yeah. end up, you know, really making them pay an insane number. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 
Look, in, in saying that as well, Nick, while you looked that up, you talked about role versus money. And Alex Schiffer, in, in one of his mailbags, who's been doing some great reporting in the offseason for The Athletic, said this, Millsap is looking for a legitimate role on a contender, and I don't think he'd have that in Brooklyn. He'd be a great locker room presence, and his defense and rebounding could help the Nets, but he's another player whose best days are behind him. I think Johnson is worth a longer look there. Rebounding is his niche, and Mark hinted that the, next, the Nets rebounding could be solved internally. Now, I I think, do, where do you think this all plays out, I guess, Nick? You know, uh, do we do you think that, where do the Nets rank in terms of the, the likelihood of Millsap um, and the teams that have been linked to him? Do you think that they are number one because of their ability to, you know, provide a championship for him? Do you think that he's, the money is still a priority despite the fact that he's made, you know, over eight digits in his career, nine, ten digits in his career, over like 192 million. million when I looked it up before. Made plenty of cash, Nick. So I think that we, I think we could see this player for for a while. Millsap could go beyond training camp and and could do what a JJ Redick might do, which is you know let things play out until the, the 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 buyout you know deadline and and all those sort of things because you know ultimately. He knows what he's got. You know, he's going to be a role player. He doesn't need to be, you know, 100 million percent fit and run Ks and Ks per game. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, Jack, probably the Nets are at the bottom of the list in terms of just where the, uh, like you kind of listed with the other teams. And to confirm on the Golden State thing, I'm not 100% sure if they use their taxpayer mid-level exception. The cap sheets aren't really updated yet. I don't believe they did because I think you're right. And I don't, I'm not sure they really want to spend it. But that's beside the point. So I think at the end of the day, I think Paul Millsap in Brooklyn's not super likely. And kind of what you were alluding to is maybe he's just going to kind of sit it out and wait for a better opportunity for himself. Maybe he doesn't really love the situations that are there right now. And maybe something new will kind of present itself. But at this time, I feel like if Paul Millsap was going to sign in Brooklyn, it probably would have happened already unless it gets to a point where uh, Chicago says, you know what, we're no longer interested. You know, Golden State says no longer interested. And then we end up just, you know, being the team that's available. Maybe the Nets need to push them a little harder because they have an injury. But, I mean, i personally rather have Paul Millsap over Alizé Johnson. That's just me. Yeah, Alizé's, you know, shown things with rebounding, but I'm not sure how much more there is to his game. Like, there's certain things that stick out, but at the end of the day, I'm not sure he's, you know, a playoff basketball player at this point in his career or if he's really going to get to that point in this situation with the Nets. I also think Paul Millsap's a, a more valuable piece at a small ball five. But yeah, you know, and in saying that, Nick, it, it leads to a, a poll that I put out. I mean, I guess we can have a bit of a discussion about it. You can let us know uh, how you voted. You better have voted, my friend. Um, who would you rather have on the Brooklyn Nets, Lamarcus Aldridge or Paul Millsap? I put it out. Over seventy three percent chose LMA, whereas only uh, a, a paltry twenty six point eight percent chose the man we were just speaking about. How did you vote in this contentious poll, Nick? I have not been Twitter all week, so I didn't even Oh, come on, Nick. you got to support your boy. I'm trying to put out content. And Look support. at my Twitter feed. I've put out Ray like... Yeah, you have put out Pug Roll. You put out more non-net stuff of late. I mean, I get you retweeting OTG and stuff. It's always good fun to, to support the homies, but support your boy as well, mate. Come on. <laughs> i got a wedding coming up, Jack. I've been very busy. Uh, but, you know, I think I would probably go with LaMarcus Aldridge because he provides a skill set that the Nets really need. You know, a true seven-footer. Well, maybe not even a true seven-footer, but a true center with a, a jumper, a three-point shot, rebounding, familiar with the team. Um, there's confidence in what in how we can play with other nets because we've actually seen it happen. Where there's more of a question with Paul Millsap in the extent of, all right, he lost a step last year in Denver. That was pretty obvious. How much more is he going to lose moving forward? Can he really switch still? 
you know, can we count on him offensively? Is that three-point shot going to be consistent? I feel more confident with LaMarcus Aldridge's skills as an NBA player, where both guys are declining athletically. But I think Aldridge is a more skilled player and obviously has the luxury of being as big as he is, where Paul Millsap would be undersized at five. And at four, I don't think he's quick enough. Yeah, I mean, we saw LaMarcus Aldridge score, like, what, nine points in five minutes or something? I, I yeah. put out a... A little bit of a post as well, which got a I'll bit of love. I'll never forget the uh, the pass that like KD threw him for the easy dunk. It was against the Pelicans, and it was just like, man, that that's just a problem for you guys when that's happening. Kevin Durant was the number one recruiter. We heard Lamarcus Aldridge say yeah. that. So if Lamarcus Aldridge is healthy, Nick, I can't see you know other teams usurping the Brooklyn Nets in destinations where um, LMA would want to go to. You know, in that retirement post, which was you know a, a pretty sad and, and heartfelt moment that he did put out. You know, he thanked the Nets despite his very incredibly short tenure with the team. Um, I thought that he showed a, a lot with us. And the final game that he did have, we can now look with, you know, greater hindsight about the fact that, you know, he was having those heart issues. You know, everyone was talking about, you know, Andre John, what did the Nets get Andre John? And now he's going to get like, a damn vet minimum next to, you know, his best friend, Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. <laughs> but that's a discussion for a different day, a different podcast. So uh, I'm... We talked about rebounding. Lamarcus Aldridge, solid rebounder. Offensive game, right up there. Good three-point shooter shooter as well. I think he's extended that range. We did see that. Uh, he's just a, I think he just fits the Nets better, and we've already seen him have that fit. And I was incredibly enthused by the defense that he did show you know, in, in the time that he he had with the Brooklyn Nets. You know, there was times like on Zion Williamson where he was you know showing some solid rim protection. I'm yep. just like... My dude, no one's shown solid rim protection against Zion Williamson, let alone a LaMarcus Aldridge on a buyout. So we'll wait and see. Uh, it's cool to see the Instagram posts. Um, and, and and for me, the, the ultimate is, you know, the, the thing that should be the priority, number one, is his health. Um, and, and whatever he does decide to do, you know, all power to him. But if he does come back, he is fit and firing for, for NBA basketball. Put on the black and white LMA because um, number 12 in Brooklyn was a... Well, uh, no, number 12 in Brooklyn is uh, my guy, Joey Buckets. But what number was he? Was it 21? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. so now, I could double check that real quick. Let's bring back 21. You know, it's a, it's a big birthday for Americans for some reason. I don't know why you guys do alcohol at 21 rather than 18, but that's a discussion again another <laughs> day, another podcast. But yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge, I, I don't know. I just, he endeared himself to the fans so quickly as well, Nick. Um, and the way you do that is by playing quality basketball and he played quality basketball for this team. Yeah. And I think also you look at it, you know, who complements some of the players on the team better, you know what I mean? Like, and also what skill set can he provide that would help expose teams in another way? And just like his offensive touch on the role is something that I really value. Obviously he's not going to be finishing oops at a crazy rate, but he literally has touch that he can finish inside. He can do some different things. And at the end of the day, the biggest criticism of the Nets was size. And, you know, Paul Millsap would provide you some girth and some toughness, but he's like 6'7", 6'8". LaMarcus Aldridge, 6'11". Big wingspan, true center, a guy that can play next to Kevin Durant and alleviate some of that pressure for the rebounding. Where Paul Millsap's, you know, solid rebounder and he's, you know, had a lot of success earlier in his career, but he's probably not that same guy athletically. No, and 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 I think that that's something you have to take into account. And I I was really surprised at LMA's defense, as I alluded to a little bit earlier. So we'll wait and see how it does all pan out. And Look, there's a part, there is a universe where, a multiverse out there. I feel like I've done a couple of multiverse references on the Brooklyn Buzz of late. I've been watching too much uh, Marvel. But there is a universe out there where LaMarcus Aldridge played a significant role for the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs, had his health 
um, been permitting. You know, he he looked better than Blake Griffin. You know, he looked more valuable than Blake Griffin, more productive. Um, and obviously, Blake was immense for the Nets in the playoffs. But to have an extra center, you know, buy out DJ, get LMA, and you know, you're looking at a, a pretty formidable front court. You know, with rotations of you know Blake, LMA, you know Clacks, you know Daron Sharp, and uh, little points here and times there. It almost solves a, a gap that a big gap that the Nets do have right now. And look, if the Nets were to acquire Paul Millsap, I'd be pretty happy with that as well. Paul Millsap is a, a significant upgrade over DeAndre Jordan. Um, but in saying that, give me LMA all day. Yeah, I think if you just looked at it and you erased your thoughts from last season, like hypothetically if LaMarcus Aldridge continued with the Spurs and there was a situation where the Nets could sign LaMarcus Aldridge, I think people would be kind of ecstatic. You know what I mean? Just the possibility, especially upgrading over DeAndre Jordan. So like you said, you know, either guy would really be a nice add to this team. But I think you've envisioned a bigger role for LaMarcus because he would just fill that starting center role right off the bat. Like that'd be a guy that would start at center and he'd give you that true size. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, Blake and Claxton getting banged up and early on against some of these big bruisers. We'll see how it all pans out. Sean Marks will certainly be working the phones uh, as we speak. Nick, let's get to some news from your favorite player. No, it's not Kyrie Irving. It is Mike James yeah. making, the, making the headlines on Twitter. Now, of course, we have to discuss this thing. This is a discussion that I love having. I love these dumb NBA conversations in the offseason. I know some people aren't the biggest fan of them. But Mike James broke Warriors and Nets Twitter at the same time. It all started with Clutch Points um, NBA posting, you know, guys who could, the, the Mount Rushmore of guys who could punish defenders, and it was LeBron, MJ, Kobe, and Kevin Durant. Now, Mike James started a, a goddamn war when he quote tweeted, I can't lie to y'all, Kyrie Irving probably deserved to be on this list. J- on this list. James Harden got a argument too. Uh, then he was doing, you know, responding to tweets, and then it, it all blew up when he said, Nick, Kyrie is more skilled than Steph. Steph just shoot better. Everything is in Kyrie favor skill wise, but whatever you say, fam. I love say I love the use of fam here. It's you know somewhat endearing, but also it's like how when KD used champ on um, on Kendrick Perkins. It just reminds me of that a little bit. But Nick, is Kyrie Irving more skilled than Stephen Curry? I think if you look at it from the perspective of like you're comparing side by side, you know, handles, mid-range jumper, finishing package, you know, his array of offensive moves, you could make an argument that Kyrie Irving has more skills, but Steph Curry has the most elite skill between the two players, and that's Curry's ability to hit jumpers. Three-point shot. He's the best three-point shooter that's ever been in the NBA. Like that's a that's a fact. Like, I don't, I don't want to really hear it from anybody. So you can make an argument that Kyrie's more overall skilled, but Steph has the best skill between the two. And that's a big skill, especially in the game of basketball. No, no doubt. And he, is, he has the most elite skill in the most... He changed the game, the trajectory of the game, Steph and Curry. But I think skill is where Mike James was trying to make his point and, and where the nuance does lie because you, know, you listed some skills there. You know, ball handling, Stephen Curry, elite ball handler. But Kyrie Irving, probably the best ball handler of all time. Now, is that a skill that's as valuable as, as shooting? Probably not. But Kyrie Irving has also just had a 50-40-90 season. Yeah. Um, and it's been a 40% three-point shooter for a large portion of his career. Similar to Steph Curry as an amazing free-throw shooter. Um, his ability to penetrate and just manipulate individual defenders is as good as we've ever seen. Yeah, you know, Steph's done it to Rudy Gobert and he's done it to Chris Paul. Uh, Steph but Kyrie... in a different way because people are so scared of his three-point shooting and the gravity in which that provides him and he can leverage that into utilizing maybe skills that aren't as great as Kyrie's. 
and I think Steph has improved as a yep. as a mid range shooter, but Kyrie Irving is elite as if as that as that style of shooter as well. Um, he's got a post game as well, which we know he didn't get his eight uh, post up shots yeah. per game. I think KD uh, made that a point to Steve Nash throughout the season, but he's got a nice post game. He can just manipulate individual defenders and team defenses in so many different ways. He has. It's like his mind, he might have the best basketball mind we've ever seen, Nick. You know, his basketball instincts, you just know what to do. So, you know, that pull-up shot on, on, on Giannis Antetokounmpo you know, in game one or game two um, was just sensational and one of the great highlights of the, of the next season. And there was a lot of goddamn highlights. The ability, the quickness. Um, he, had, he had an improved defensive season as well, and Steph has improved there too. It's probably not a conversation, but in terms of skills, we talk about, you know, ball handling, you know, three-level scoring, all those sort of things. Um, you know, or just a, 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 an artistic element to the game that I think Kyrie Irving has that few, if any, players do have. The only player I could probably make a comparison to would probably be Allen Iverson, but then Kyrie Irving is essentially a more efficient Allen Iverson. And not to say that Allen Iverson's impact and skill should be underrated, but, uh, and, and you're obviously health and all these sort of things, you know, what, what do you just uh, define as skill is, is something that I guess, but I, I think that's a fun conversation to have. And, you know, these are two of the great point guards in modern history, if not ever. Steph will go down as one of the 15 best players ever. Kyrie Irving will go as one of the most joyous players to ever play the game. You know, we've both been lucky enough to see him live and, you know, your, your mouth has left a, a gape at, at watching him just do some things of this like, you can't do that. You, you, the, the human body, the, the persons who have an expert level of skill in their craft just should not be allowed to do what Kyrie Irving does. He makes, uh, in a similar way, I was sort of talking about in general skill sort of stuff, he makes basketball look easy, but it's not. Like, you know, I try and... Well, I remember for years when I was living in London, practicing my handling drills and stuff, and it's just like, why can't I be kind? Why can't I put it between <laughs> my legs and just have it on a string and make Evan Fournier pray to God and get on his goddamn knees like it's Donda time? Um, but, yeah, Nick Kyrie Irving, I, I would say is more skilled than Steph, but it's a nuanced conversation, and I also do think that Kyrie might be the most skilled player slash point guard we have ever seen. Yeah, I think you could make an argument that Kyrie has an you know, advantage against Steph in multiple skills, and he would probably be more skilled. But I would still say at the end of the day, Steph's ability and his impact on the game is more than Kyrie's. You know, maybe that's something to do with different situations, something to do with health, not being utilized a certain way. But like you mentioned before, Steph has really changed the game, and he's able to leverage his three-point shooting into making his other skills better. So at the end of the day, I think Steph's still the better player. You know, Kyrie's probably more skilled. And getting back to your point is, He's so skilled, but he's also very intelligent because he has a counter for every single move the defensive player is going to do. And that's something he's talked about. Like, oh, you reach here, I'm going to go to this handle. You know, I'm going to go behind the back and then I'm going to go in between the legs. Now you're going to be off balance and I'm going to get my space and I'm going to hit my shot. Yeah, he's... I love watching Kyrie Irving play maybe more than any other player I've ever watched, other than probably Kevin Durant. And I was going to say... Pat Probably Patty Mills this season as well. I'm going to have a lot of fun. And speaking of Patty Mills, Nick, um, in the time that we have been absent, we we did see our boy Patty Mills speaking to Matt Brooks in the Nets media and seeing where the the Brooklyn Nets tee, while combined with the the Boomer snapback, dear Lord, I had an orgasm just at those photos. It was <laughs> truly remarkable. And you know, he's he's rocking the the bronze medals out here in Australia as well. 
Um, it was uh, a lot of fun to watch, and I was all about all the clips. I was liking, retweeting, absolutely everything. And we, and we got some different, some cool little, you know, little tidbits about you know why he wanted to join the Nets. Yeah, we really did, Jack. And obviously, I thought of you when I saw it. I was like, Jack might be crying in Australia right now of happiness just because of you know what it meant. And obviously, it was cool to see. And then just the way he spoke about the Nets and the connections and you know, kind of things that we alluded to why it made sense, why Patty Mills chose the Nets over, you know, the Warriors and the Lakers kind of was showcased in, you know, in that presser. Yeah, he, he talks about, you know, culture, um, the, the Nets culture, as well as, you know, him, his ability to, to drive yeah. culture as well. Speaking about Brooklyn, everything I've learned on the court, off the court, the culture of the city, I think it was something that was very attractive to me and my wife. I'm a culture guy. That's who I am and what makes me tick. So to be able to dive in deep to the culture of Brooklyn and everything that's great about that and what it has to offer was the next step. So uh, you better believe he's going to be getting some coffees with Joey Buckets um, when Joey Buckets isn't uh, busy at the, the U.S. Open uh, with Blake Griffin. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought it just like, obviously, I was already excited about him to join the Nets just from the on on court impact, but then just kind of listening to him. And obviously, I've talked to you about it a lot, the off the court impact and how he's going to fit an organization and be kind of a spark to this team. It just seems like it really could be a boost that not that the Nets needed a piece to put them over the top, but this kind of helps continue to gain advantage maybe on some of their competition from other ways where maybe you didn't necessarily anticipate or we don't really even know if that's something that's needed maybe they need a little bit more of a spark in the locker room after last season or whatever it might be and Mills is a guy that is loved by many and he's also has won on the biggest stage he has and the, these there were more quotes Nick and you know we could spend probably two or three hours on it but I'm, I'm picking out the best ones two or three days <laughs> uh, yeah probably I'll, I'll start an individual Patty Mills Patreon to go with every other Patreon that I supposedly have uh, he said this the conversation I had with uh, Kevin was so pure so genuine being able to understand that he's such a pure hooper I mean uh, we all know the hoopers and to go back and forth with basketball, basketball specific it's expi- it's exciting for me to know there's an opportunity there for me to try to be who I am um, after a good Tokyo Olympics campaign, being able to ride the wave of momentum taking into Brooklyn is something I'm looking forward to. The style and freedom of what Steve does, uh, such a great job, and obviously now being amongst the best players in, in the world, it's such an exciting opportunity that I'll be able to thrive off. Nick, I'm, I'm giddy. Um, I'm Josh Giddy. I've made that joke before, but I'll make it again. Uh, I, I, just hearing every single little thing that he just said then. Yeah, and I think also something that stuck out to me is like allowing him to play his style of basketball. Maybe that's something he wasn't able to do as much in San Antonio. And it just feels like the net system is so open and you're getting encouragement from Kevin Durant to play, you know, how you want to play. I mean, that'd make me want to join the team. You know what I mean? You're getting support from a guy like that. And just obviously Steve Nash and what he brings and just the Nets kind of being so offensive centric and just kind of you know just like hey let's score a ton of points everyone's going to kind of be allowed to play in different roles and you're going to get the best out of each other because there's so many different stars and so much attention on the court and how they can really complement each other is just it's really going to be awesome and it's cool to see you know patty mills be excited about that as well oh yeah i mean he's he's sharing our excitement nick and then some he did speak about you know the fact as well that um, one of his favorite players growing up and one of his favorite players when he entering the league was Steve Nash and, and the connection that they had there, which I thought was, was super cool too. But, you know, it's, it's not another recruiting but, chip for the Nets. <laughs> yeah. This, like this Steve obvious, Nash is, is awesome. Exactly. And we obviously know about Sean Marks and the San Antonio connection at uh, the Long Island coach as well, who is, uh, was also on the boomers bench. Um, and funnily enough, Nick, the, the little tidbit that I think might've, and we debated this and, and, and hypothesized that, 
you know, Greg Popovich's role may have been something in, in, in a conversation he had with Patty Mills that pushed him to Brooklyn as well. Do you think that you know, uh, Coach Pop, you know, gold medal winning Coach Pop may have influenced the decision too? Yeah, I do. I mean, you brought it up, I think, Jack, a couple of shows ago about how, you know, the Spurs hate the Lakers. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't trade trade with them. They wouldn't trade Kawhi over there. So, you know, Pop has maybe a bad feeling towards them. Obviously, we also know how much Pop loves Kevin Durant and how appreciative he was of KD playing with the Olympic team. And also we know how much he likes um, Sean Marks as well. So no reason that pop wouldn't kind of point him in a direction of people that he knows and that he loves not to say that he has anything against, you know, the warriors or, you know, he maybe has something against the Lakers, but you know, I think he just, there's, it's like, Hey, Jack, if you're going to look at a job and you, I know a couple people at the job and I can tell you like, Hey, these are some good people. I don't really know anything about the other job. You're going to probably go with more of the sure thing, knowing that, Hey, Nick knows these guys they are going to treat me right. I don't really know how these other people are going to treat me. They say it's going to be great, but at least I have some info from a person I trust. Absolutely. I hope you trust yeah. me. <laughs> oh, no, of course, my dude. Of course, we wouldn't be doing 500 episodes of this goddamn podcast if I didn't trust you, my guy. I do the the what's the the, the trust fall? What is it when you know, you count oh, one yep, two, trust three? Fall. Yeah, yeah. I do that with you, my guy, every day of the week. I'd hopefully you catch me. Um, I've gotten a little bit chunkier in in like in, lo- in lockdown, but um, that's a discussion for another day. But Nick, I'm just so goddamn excited, enthused. All the adjectives you want to put in there. Paddy Mills, sixth man of the year with Cam Thomas. The campaign starts now. <laughs> yeah. No, I really think Paddy Mills is going to be great in this team. I think he's going to be utilized really well and complement the guys. And also, I think just him being an older player, having a ton of experience and, you know, also playing against these guys a ton. Like, he's played against Kyrie. He's played against James Harden. He's played against Kevin Durant, you know. And a guy like James Harden, he's played against a ton. Like, you know what I mean? They were in the same division. So it's like, okay, this is somebody I kind of understand his game and what he's trying to do out there. Obviously, Harden plays a little bit differently on the Nets than he did in Houston. But still, it's just, it's really exciting. It's going to be really fun. And just like to think that the Nets offense can be, you know, a whole nother level higher this year. It's going to be insane. Truly, truly insane. And I can't wait for it to all kick off. But Nick, we've got some some more news surrounding James Harden, Kevin Durant. Well, we'll kick off with James Harden, and obviously he was talking about you know the scary hours. You know, once he's full, fully healthy, celebrated his birthday. He's hanging out with Clacks a lot, which looks like yeah. goddamn fun. KD was at the, the the concert in Houston as well, as was Travis Scott and all those um, all of his famous friends uh, too for his thirty second birthday. You know, just because you're in your 30s, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't mean you're aging. You are priming. Uh, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. And also, we did see him hiring a new agent um, and going back to, and this is from Jordan Schultz, and he's cutting ties with Jason Rand and Chaffee Fields of Wasserman, um, and he's hiring uh, his long-term friend, Lorenzo McLeod. Now, all the news surrounding James Harden, Nick, what, do you, what has stuck out to you uh, about the little tidbits that we've seen from him, whether it's the agency, uh, whether it's you know the individual little quotes that he's given us, whether it's the workouts, whether it's the, the goddamn sick parties and baseball shirts that he's got. Hit me with some Harden stuff that you're loving. I mean, that birthday party looked awesome. I wish I was invited. The (laughs) giant head, which was basically like Astro World, Travis Scott style. I mean, who wouldn't want to walk into their own face? But back to the point, I think the realest thing that stuck out to me, other than the birthday party being amazing, 
is the amount of time he's been spending with Nick Claxton. I think that's a really great sign. You know, you want to be great, you hang around greatness. So it could really help, you know, push Claxton to the next level, push that chemistry to the next level and get a better understanding of where Claxton needs to be to have an impact and probably work on some of those little in-between shots that Harden can set him up for. And we saw at times, you know, it took a little bit of adjustment for both guys to play with each other. So more time around him, I think, is going to be really helpful. And also, also, youthful energy like Claxton's really going to be pushing the needle trying to like compete with Harden to an extent and that could kind of help push James Harden you know a little bit more in his training that might get a little bit boring you know you've been doing it for so long it's like you need a little bit of excitement to kind of pick up that workout routine and Clax could provide that spark I'm going to do some Stephen A. Smith ex Max Kellerman style takes for you Nick will James Harden be a bad influence on Nicholas Claxton taking him <laughs> to all these parties and adult establishments that you know we know Clax had to spend some time out uh, during his birthday last year um, we can all put two and two together what might have happened there he's now talking about LA and the women that he loves there he's yeah. hanging out backstage with Travis Scott and James Harden now is Clax really focused enough on basketball Nick yeah, I think, I mean, to an extent, I could look, reverse it and be like, well, Claxton's experiencing this amazing lifestyle that James Harden has, and it's pushing him to want to make the money like James Harden to live this lifestyle, because Claxton makes plenty of money, but Harden's on a whole nother level. We're talking about an extension he could sign that's going to get him with 50 mil a year. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm really excited about that partnership. No doubt, and, and we might, uh, you know, I'll touch on it a little bit because I had it a, a little bit later in my doc, but we do also sit during those workouts that we alluded to, Nick, um, we saw assistant David Vanderpool, um, and, yeah. and I thought that that was really cool, you know, to develop. You know, he's probably seeing little things here and there and going, okay, Clax, you've you got to move your body a little bit more here. You've got to be quicker here. You've got to lay the screen a little bit stronger here. Um, but, yeah, that workout and uh, at Harden Barbecue, who's probably the best James Harden follow on Twitter, bar none, you know, the, the floater game that we saw from you were sort of alluding to. Uh, and then if you spot really, really closely, you see Clax move out to the perimeter and shoot yep. a pretty nice three ball, Nick. So, I don't know. Do you think that these are shots we see more from Clax? Because we, we've seen the, the floater a little bit, not over, not overtly. Uh, it feels like we saw it more in the rookie year than we did in the second year. Same with the, the three-point shot yep. as well. Do you, do you envision, I mean, we'll be diving deep, deep, deep into some Clax preview tape uh, very, very soon. But what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on seeing those two things and the fact that these are the two things we've seen uh, among many other things with Clax's video? Um, what did you think of, of those two skills being showcased? Yeah, I think that's something he wants to work on, and that's going to help take him to the next level. I don't think we'll really know the answer until training camp is over. You know, Steve Nash is, at the end of the day, going to influence how Claxton plays and how he's going to be on the court and what he asks him to do. Um, if he's starting to hit the three-point shot at a high rate, that's a huge bonus to the Nets offense and Claxton's impact on the team. It would be, you know, almost insane. Um, even if he just added to push shot and just got better in the short roll in some situations, it'd be really impactful as well. So I think it's hard to really analyze anything from these workout tapes. Like, obviously, it's good to see him working on a skill that we know he has because this is something coming out of college. You know, offensive versatility was a skill of his. It just wasn't developed to the NBA level. So he mentioned, too, I think after the shoulder injury he had, it impacted his jump shot. He had to kind of relearn how to shoot. So and, and also this is really his first full off season, 100 percent healthy. Yep. And I think we can see some different things from him and it's going to be exciting. And also, you know, at the Nets, this is ideal. They get into a lot of blowouts. Claxton's still playing some minutes and now he can showcase those things on an NBA court and start to build trust of not only Steve Nash, but the rest of his teammates like 
you know, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie telling you that's a good shot gives you more confidence. You know, they might be a little wary at first if Claxton opening night takes five threes. Yeah, the, the, I think that we are all incredibly excited about what Nicholas Claxton could show us um, this season and we'll be overreacting to preseason games um, in no time. One little tidbit on James Harden's uh, agency news and, and hiring the new agent. I think that's really cool. You know, if I was a, a super-duper rich student, you know, we expect, and Sean Marks has, has given us news that he expects James Harden to sign the extension um, sooner rather than later. Um, so let's sort of see how that all pans out. I, I thought that that was really cool because, yeah, Nick, if, if you know, I had, like, you know, some random dude as my agent and you could be my agent, I'm going to be like, nah, I'm going to get the bag for my boy. So um, always taking care and of And also, like, from an agency perspective and someone, like, with contract and money, like, I'm going to trust somebody that I know that I know is going to look out for me a little bit more and have my true best interest. And where you might have an agent that's like, oh, Harden, well, don't sign this extension because you can get more money next year. But James Harden might want to just commit to the Nets and be happy. I have enough money, that extra 10, 20 million, whatever it is, that's okay. I'm happy being here and my happiness is a little bit more valuable to me than that type of money. Where from a, an agent that maybe is not your friend, they're trying to convince you to sign that other contract because they're getting a bigger cut. Yeah, how many giant heads can you buy with, you know, $10, $20 million? <laughs> Nick, we'll finish with some uh, minor Kevin Durant news. Since we've been gone, uh, he signed a partnership with Weed Maps um, to destigmatize de marijuana use with that partnership. Obviously, had the big interview with Draymond Green, um, which was a lot of fun. Nick, you, this is the perfect news for you. Um, tell me about this partnership and, and what you thought of this news. Uh, it's funny, Jack, you end with this topic. I could probably talk about this for hours. Now, <laughs> now, realistically, though, I've been a huge advocate for athletes, not just in the NBA, to smoke marijuana over other things, like obviously the addiction of painkillers, the impact it has on your body. Their medicinal marijuana has been a huge thing for a lot of places in the United States. I've known people personally that's really helped them in their lives. And honestly... Just the whole idea that like weed and marijuana is so bad, you could really do like a whole history lesson on this podcast about initially why it was illegal in the first place and all those things. So I think it's a great move by Kevin Durant. It's going to be a big money maker moving forward, too, because it's legalized for recreational use in uh, New York now. It's not sold yet. Obviously, they're still getting through the regulations and passing all those things. But this is a smart move for Kevin Durant from a business perspective. And honestly, it looked like KD was smoking some weed last year. At, uh, what was it? The All-Star Draft. Looked like Joe Harris might have uh, smoked a little bit before hanging out with Blake Griffin. I think it's a great thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you see the uh, you see the NBA, too, you know, lessening the things and allowing players to do it over the last two seasons. They haven't penalized them. I think it's a smart move. And with more studies and more things like that, like, I think it's going to be utilized more moving forward. Like, 10 to 20 years from now, we're going to look back at some of the stuff that we've seen and be like, wow, that was a joke. Like, why were they not letting players do this? Especially considering one of the, the key components of smoking is helping you relax. And like these guys are literally, you know, pushing their body to the highest extent every single day, dealing with the highest pressures and stress. To me, it makes a ton of sense. Obviously, you know where I stand on this stuff. So, some, some really good insight there, Nick. I think that was some some quality analysis. I'll I'll analyze things. I'm a bit a bit better at analyzing. That comes to like you know just quotes and hot takey sort of stuff. Um, in the interview with you know Draymond Green, he did talk about Kyrie Irving, and he basically said that you know the reason why Kyrie everyone hates Kyrie is because he chose to leave Cleveland. He chose to leave Boston. And, you know, have his own agency, which we know Kevin Durant is probably uh, one of the biggest proponents for. I'm not sure. I, I think there might be some other elements to it as well. Um, but and also my favorite quote from it, Nick, was 
Uh, Kyle J. Andrews put this out, um, and it was you know, Kevin Durant's quote on happiness, and he was sort of saying how you know happiness is fleeting, and you know, I don't, I don't want I don't want to be go chasing that sort of thing. And um, it was a quote that sort of stuck to me because it's something that I think we all get fall victims to trying to chase the highs and and, and and stay away from the lows where it's just like steadiness is always key. So, you know, some sort of like Buddhist mantras sort of thrown in there. And I'm, I'm all a big proponent for just being content uh, and, you know, enjoying things, not trying to get, you know, over over the top. You know, obviously it's going to happen when, you know, Paddy Mills hits his first three for the Brooklyn Nets and Cam Thomas yeah. sees his first minutes. Uh, and hopefully we see a Brooklyn Nets championship. But, uh, I, I just really enjoyed the sit-down, really enjoyed the quotes. Kevin, whenever we get the chance to hear Kevin Durant speak, um, even alongside Draymond Green, who uh, I thought was a really good interview, has a great career ahead of him. And anything that KD says about anyone or anything, uh, I'm going to soak it up because, you know, he's a guy that's in a similar sort of life bracket to what I am. Uh, and and I, I just vibe with, you know, just his, all, his whole ethos. And, you know, obviously, you know, where he's 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 trying to play to us a little bit, Nick. You know, he's he's doing these weird partnerships. He's talking about you know sort of you know cool philosophies and and standing up for his boys and showing that loyalty. Um, KD, keep doing you, my guy. We love you. Yeah, and I think that's important as you as you, obviously you get older, certain things like this kind of hit, and you're like a better understanding, like. You know, analyzing this this quote or this interview with Draymond at the age of 21 in comparison to where we're at now, you're going to look at it completely different and have a better understanding of what Kevin Durant's talking about. So it's nice to see people get, you know, kind of just like comfortable with who they are and express just like what they feel and what they're looking for. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is to make yourself happy. You know what I mean? Don't put yourself in a situation where you're trying to make others happy, especially ones that aren't your loved ones. Like him, if he stayed in Golden State just because the fans wanted him to, that's just kind of dumb. Like if he wanted to leave Golden State and go to Brooklyn, that's what he wanted to do. That makes sense regardless. Best player in the game becoming the best version of himself. Yes, sir. And Jack, before we get out of here, just a quick programming note. We were just on a little eight-day hiatus. We're going to be on probably a little bit of a 10-day hiatus. I'm getting married this weekend. Got a quick honeymoon. Appreciate it, Jack. Finally happening after multiple postponements thanks to COVID. Hopefully everything goes safe. But um, we'll be back. We'll be dropping our previews. Really excited for the season. Looking to give you probably the most content we ever have in the past. So, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Congrats to Nick and Sims. And if you want to give me a wedding gift, you can leave us a five-star review on our podcast. Appreciate it. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.